Let's continue our, our sermon series in the book of Philemon. I titled this one, Joined Together for Joy, or Joined for Joy, okay? And it comes from Philemon, verses 4 to 7. Let's read this together. The Word of God reads, uh, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your spirit just open up our hearts to your word. And we pray that you open up your word to our hearts so that we might truly hear what you have to say to us, so that we might respond to really be the church that you called us to be. Thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, in this passage today, it's a very simple passage. Paul is telling Philemon how he prays for him. And it's through prayer that God is going to help Philemon realize what it means to be a brother in Christ, which is awesome, you know, because it just reminds us that God is the one that changes people through prayer. When we pray, God changes people, and especially he loves changing us when we pray. But today's message isn't about prayer. Today's message is about what it means to be a brother or sister in Christ. We hear that phrase all the time, don't we, in church? We hear that phrase all the time. You know, so many of us, so many of us think that being a brother in Christ is simply being a male Christian or being a sister in Christ is simply being a female Christian. We think that term brother in Christ is just like a, de a gender designation for a believer, but it's actually so much more. And Paul in this passage is actually praying that God enlightens Philemon to what that phrase really means. What does it mean to be a brother in Christ? You know, this passage and actually this whole book, centers around one verse, which is verse six. But in reality, it centers around one word in verse six, which is that word partnership that we read in the NIV. Paul's whole request, his whole argument in this letter centers around Philemon understanding what this one word means. Why? Because it unlocks what it means to be a brother and sister in Christ. And because it's that pivotal for Philemon to understand this word, I thought that we should spend today and today's sermon understanding it as well. So, you know, this word partnership in the Greek is a very multifaceted word. I don't know if partnership is the best translation, but maybe you've heard this Greek word before. It's the word koinonia. It's a very common Greek word. It's one of those Greek words you have to learn if you go to church. Um, and, and a lot of times we, heard, we hear that it's, it's translated as fellowship, which it is. It's fellowship. But just like I stated in previous sermons, you know, I don't think Christians today fully embrace what God had in mind when it comes to koinonia. There are so many aspects of koinonia. And so what I'd like to do today is to share the three main facets of this word koinonia with you. And through it, I hope that you not only understand what this word means, but I but ultimately I pray that you understand who it calls you to be in Christ, right? You know, and, and and to be very frank with you, I've seen it over and over and over again, and maybe you have too. Um, when people finally understand what this word koinonia means and operate their lives by it, God uses those Christians so powerfully to be spiritual influencers in their churches. And my prayer is that God will use each one of you 
to do that right here at FLM. So let's get right into it. You know, there are three aspects of koanonia that I want to highlight to you today. And the first is this. Koanonia means that we are joined together, right? We are joined together. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of of Christ. You know, if you were to look up the word koanonia, even in Google, even in my Bible dictionary, the, you know, the, this is the definition. These are the, these are the words that describe it. Community, generosity, service, and mutual participation. So koanonia is a group of people who are joined together, not only by their mutual faith in Jesus Christ, but by their intimate and active care for one another. They're injecting life into one another, kind of like the parts of a body do for each other. And that makes sense because the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, Christ says that we become a part of his body, which is the church. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but all the parts in our physical bodies are actually connected to each other. You know, all of our, all the parts of our physical bodies are actually connected to each other. Do you guys, obviously you guys know that. You know, so here's the question I wanted to ask you. What would happen if you took, if you separated one part of your body from the rest of the body? Like if I were to take out your heart, if I were to take out your liver or your brain, or even if I were to take the skin off of you, what would happen to you? Or what would happen? Well, the answer is not only would that particular organ die, but you would start dying. And the same goes with the church. You know, anytime one person, just one person, anytime one person is separated from the church, the whole church body starts dying, which means that the health of our church, the health of FLM really depends upon the health of our interconnectedness, doesn't it? And not just between a few people, but between all of us. Do you guys see that? And the reason why that's true is because we are all joined together. That's why the, the command is to love each other as we love ourselves. Why? Because our neighbors are us. In Christ, we're all joined together. And I think 1 Corinthians 12 says it a lot more clearly. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, it says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This passage says that we are all individual parts that make up the body of Christ, the church. The spirit has made us one in Christ. And the implication of being one, being joined together is really huge. And here it is. Because we are joined together in Christ, the way you live your life affects everybody else in the church. You know, in this passage, Philemon's personal decision to either forgive Onesimus or not forgive Onesimus is going to change and affect everybody in the church. And in the same way, the choices that you make in your life and the way you choose to live your life privately and individually affects us all corporately in the church. You know, three years ago, my family and I, we, we took this holiday to Vancouver, Canada. Have you guys ever been there? It's so beautiful. Um, and right outside Vancouver is one of the most amazing pedestrian suspension bridges 
I think it's called like the Capilano Bridge. You know, I know half of you are Googling that already in your other screen. Don't do that. Anyway, you could do it later. It's this 140 meter bridge that that spans uh, that's you know spans across a raging river that connects two cliffs. And even though it's 140 meters, it looks like it's a lot longer. It's so scary. And it's and it's like 70 meters, apparently 70 meters above this raging river. It's absolutely beautiful. But for someone who's afraid of heights like me, it's absolutely terrifying. And the reason why is because when you take one step on this bridge, it causes these ripples, you know, to travel down this absolutely wobbly wooden bridge. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You can picture it, right? So can you imagine this bridge with 100 people walking back and forth? By the time we got to the middle of that bridge, it felt like a jumping castle. 70 meters above this raging river. I was like screaming and I was holding onto the side, the side ropes so tightly. Uh, I feel like this bridge, if you understand what that picture looks like, that bridge is the perfect picture of the church. Every step we take in our personal lives, every individual step that you take causes ripples that affects the walk of everyone else in our church. You know, whether you realize it or not, whether you even know everybody in our church or not, because you're joined to them, the way you live affects them. And so if you're walking passionately for the Lord, those are the ripples that you're going to send our way. And that's awesome. And if you're, but if you're not living for the Lord, then those are the ripples that you're going to send our way. And when I, and when I say living for, you know, your walk or the way you live, what I mean is like, you know, the way you work or what you live for, your private life, how you interact with others, all in addition to your personal walk with Jesus. There's no such thing as spiritual or secular. Everything's spiritual. And because we are all spiritually joined together in Christ, the way you live affects us all. I can tell you firsthand as a leader and as a pastor for many years, when I am not doing well in Christ, when I am not close to Jesus, it's not any coincidence that that week I always receive prayer points from my leaders telling me for some reason they don't feel close to Jesus either. And, and, and it happens. And so it goes down that train, down that chain. There is like this knock on effect that happens. But when I'm passionately pursuing Christ, not only in personally in my work, but in my marriage, with my relationships with my neighbors, you know, when I'm really trying to pursue Christ with all that I have, it affects people positively. It makes this positive difference. And it's absolutely great. It sends those positive ripples because we're all connected and spiritually joined together. How we walk affects us all. And it's not just top to bottom, like pastor to everybody else, but it's bottom to top. It's side to side. And if you understand that, in light of that, I want you to consider something very, very seriously. Um, every day, you have a choice. Um, you have this choice to either help people or hurt people in their walk with Christ. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just telling you a spiritual truth. And that choice that you have every single day comes down to how you choose to live that day and who you choose to live for. The health of your love for God and others affects the spiritual life of our people. You know, the spiritual health of our people. So I have two requests, and you probably figured them out already. Here, the first is this. Can I ask you to be a positive influence for our church? 
Make the choice each and every single day to love Jesus with all you have. Send those ripples to us. Send the ripples that will cause a hunger and cause a thirst for the holy within our church. You know, the way you live is not just you. It makes a difference to us because we're joined together. So knowing that, please choose to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and being and to love us with your life. Secondly, um, can I ask you to make unity your highest value as a member of our church? And the reason why is this. You know, the evil one only has one strategy when it comes to destroying the church, and that is to cause and create disunity, dissension, you know, and division. And he's going to do he's going to try to do that in all of us, not just the leaders, but in all of us. So don't give the evil one a foothold. He's always going to tempt you to try to judge other people, you know, and, and through that judgment, you destroy them. Right. And there, there's going to be voices that constantly tempt you to create divisions, to convince you that somehow, some way that you're better than other people and you can put them down or whatever it is or that, you know, better than them, whatever it is. That's how churches break up. It always starts with somebody or someone who thinks that they know better. And instead of working together to build the community, they divide. They judge, divide, and, and cause that kind of division. Unfortunately, I bet a lot of us, have, we've seen this happen within some of the churches that we've been to. So don't give the evil one a foothold. The health of our church depends on the health of our interconnectedness. United we stand, divided we fall. Therefore, we must always walk as one. You know, when we were walking across that bridge in Vancouver, I was seriously frozen in the middle of that bridge. I have a fear of heights and it's paralyzing. But do you know how we eventually got across that bridge? By holding on to one another. We would just grip each other so tightly, white knuckles, you know, and we're, and, and that's the only way we're going to succeed as a church, you know, don't cause division, but work to create stronger bonds, you know, invest yourself to gripping each other more tightly, because when we operate apart, that's when we suffer. But by being joined together and gripping each other tightly, we prevail. So let's move as one. Let's keep unity as our highest value. Let's inject a positive hunger and a thirst for Christ by modeling ourselves. We are joined together. The second aspect of koinonia that I want to share with you is this. We are responsible for one another. Verse 6, it says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of of Christ. You know, in this verse, Paul is praying that Philemon's koinonia will lead him to have a deeper understanding of every good thing that we share for the sake of Christ. You know, this deeper understanding is not only that we're joined together in Christ, but that we're responsible for one another if we are in Christ. See, Philemon is not just joined to Onesimus or the church in Colossae. He's responsible for them. What does that mean to be responsible for another person. Once again, I think 1 Corinthians 12 gives us the answer. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 to 25 says this. It says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern 
for one another. These are some great verses. Verse 24 tells us that God honors those that lack honor in the church, which means that every single person in the church is honored by God. Isn't that amazing? Every single member of the church is honored by God. And that is so important for all of us to know. That's the foundation of this knowledge that I'm about to share with you. Why is that so important? It's so that we realize that in God's honor or in God's eyes, no one person is more important than another. He honors all equally. And if that's the case, then no one person should be more important to you in our church than others. And maybe it the flip side of the coin is maybe more important. No one person should be less important to you as well in our church. Everyone is to be honored. Why? Verse 25. So that, so that there should be no division within our church. From the 80-year-old to the 18-year-old, we are one. And why must we think like that? Verse 25. Why must we think like that? So that we can have equal concern for one another, right? We are to have equal concern for all members who are honored equally by God. You know, I don't know if you have any brothers or sisters, but, you know, every brother or sister is convinced that there is one brother or sister, or there's one sibling in that family that's loved more than the other, you know? And, and if you're not the sibling that's loved more by your parents than the other, you are bitter, and you carry something with you, it messes you up a little bit, you know, for the rest of your life. You know, everyone hates it when certain siblings are loved more than others. It causes issues. And same goes with the church. You know, a lot of people in the church don't like it. Why are these people honored more than these people? Why are these people get more attention than these people? And it causes issues in the church as well. But this passage says that God says that we're all honored equally in his eyes. Why? So that we can care for everyone equally, without bias, just as a healthy family would, just as a parent would care equally to all their children, or a sibling would care equally for all their younger siblings. We are to obligate ourselves to care for everyone in our church, because they all have equal value in God's eyes. We are responsible for all in the church. So here's the question. How many of you feel that there are people in FLM who have taken responsibility over you? How many of you feel that way? We don't have to raise our hand or anything like that. This is a question you need to ask. How many of you feel that there are, yes, there are people, Eddie, there are people in this church who, who have taken responsibility over my life. I know I'm not alone. You know, if they have, that's absolutely awesome, isn't it? But if our, if our church is probably like every other church, it's sad because I bet all of us cannot answer that question confidently. But I hope we get there. And that's the whole point of this particular service and message today. But for those who can't, it's an amazing thing to know that there are people who are caring for you. There are people that are taking responsibility over your life. And if I could say it like this, to me, that is the church. That is what church is all about. A lot of times we think church is a bunch of services or a bunch of small groups. Sometimes we think that church is this organization that just coordinates spiritual activities. It is. It is that organization. But that's not its primary function. First and foremost, what the church is, is a group of people who are, who are characterized by this intimate, interconnected care. 
that they have for one another. People standing up to take responsibility for one another. And that's what koinonia is. And that's what Christ has called each one of us to if we call ourselves a brother or a sister in Christ. It's a lot heavier than what you thought, right? It's not just fellowship, but it's a responsibility that we have to care for all. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, the next verse. It's a huge one. It says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What is that saying? If one person gets coronavirus in our church, then all of us must care for that person as if we have corona ourselves. If one person is struggling, then all of us need to care for that person as if we are struggling ourselves. If one person receives good news or is used by God powerfully, then instead of being jealous or envious, which unfortunately is some of our default modes, all of us must care enough to celebrate with that person. Church is the intimately interconnected care that we have for each other. And because church is the body of Christ, I I don't think you can truly say that you're loving God or that you're in step with God unless you're loving the people in your church as yourself. Do you guys understand that? Because the church is the body of Christ and we're to love God with all that we have, I don't know if we can say if we really love if we're really loving God unless we're loving the people within our church. Do you see how that's all interconnected? It's so huge, this word. We were saved so that we could be responsible for each other. And it doesn't matter if you're a leader or not. It doesn't matter if you've been here for 10 years or if you've been here for 10 days. If you are in Christ, then you are joined to one another. And if you're joined, you're responsible. So here's the harder question. How many of you or how many people in FLM if I were to ask everyone in FLM, hey, um, who, okay, what's the best way to answer? How many people in FLM know that you are currently taking responsibility over them? If I were to ask people in FLM, hey, who's taking responsibility over you? Would, they, would I hear your name? How many people would say your name? Hopefully many. If not, we need to work on our koinonia, don't we? So here are two applications to this point. Number one, I just want you to care for one more person. Take responsibility for one more person in your life. And I'm going to say, I'm going to be a little more specific. Maybe it's someone that you don't like or you don't think about or that you don't know very well. Maybe that person's in your CG. It's always that one person that I just never avoid. I've never chatted with. I never texted. Maybe now's the time for you to pray for that person and to have concern them. Let's start to have equal concern for all of our members and let's start with one person at a time. Secondly, will you begin to care for a group of people in the church that you might be a little bit uncomfortable with? I know uni students are uncomfortable with some married couples. You know, some people are, are uncomfortable with single workers. I don't know what to do with them or hang out with them. You know, single workers, you know, they look down on uni students sometimes. We shouldn't. You know, but like, oh, yeah, I was there or whatever. You know, I don't, I mean, there's always people that we judge. Can you choose a group of people in your, you know, that you feel like that in your heart and start to pray for them and start to show concern for them? There's so many different groups in our church. 
And I just want your heart to start growing and changing so that we can have equal concern for all. It's easy to love and care for people we like. It's much harder and it's much more Jesus-like to care for people that we probably don't. Or maybe some, you know, people who are different than us. I think that's what Jesus would do. So let's build our koinonia in our church together. We're joined together. We're responsible for one another. Lastly, we are to refresh one another. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. You know, what this verse is saying is that when true koinonia is practiced, it refreshes the hearts of the church. Paul received great joy and encouragement from the koinonia that Philemon showed him in the past. Now, Paul is asking Philemon to increase or to step up his koinonia you know, to Onesimus so that the whole church in Colossae can be refreshed by this act of koinonia to Onesimus. But what does that mean to be refreshed? And maybe this illustration might help. You know, as a parent, I think nothing makes you more proud of your kids than seeing them take care of each other, right? You know, one time my younger kid fell down outside and my old one runs over and says, hey, are you okay? Let me help you up. And as a parent, it was like, oh, my heart melted. Another time I was talking to my younger son and I was just saying something like, hey, that what you did was pretty amazing. You know, as a reward, I want, you know, just name whatever you want for dinner. I'll buy you whatever you want for dinner. We can go wherever you want for dinner. And he says, and he sits there and he starts thinking. And he says, oh, I know, dad. Let's eat wherever Hyung wants to eat. Hyung is the Korean word for older brother. Let's eat wherever Hyung wants to eat. And I was like, why? You're the one getting the reward. And you know what he said? He said, because I love Hyung. And then as a parent, your heart just melts. You know, you know, I can tell you so many stories of believers in the church deeply caring for one another at a great cost to themselves. That not only melts my heart as a pastor, but I got to think that that melts God's as well. But do you know what the fruit of all that is? The fruit of all that is that we get to see people discovering Christ, people experiencing Christ and people growing in Christ as a result. And I believe that's what it means. And, that, you know, by refreshing. And that's what Paul intends when he says to bring refreshing upon people. You know, when we operate our lives, private and public, with the intention of loving others and caring for others in Christ, it brings a joy and an encouragement that drives people to Jesus. And this is the refreshment that koinonia brings. I want to be refreshed by you. That's the point. I want to be refreshed by you. And I know each one of you want to be refreshed by each other. No one ever signs up for church to go at it alone. Deep inside all of our hearts, we all know that to be a Christian means to be deeply connected to a bunch of people who are supposed to care for each other. All of us believe in that. And when that happens, we all get refreshed in the Lord. You know, in our passage, Paul is asking Philemon to step up his koinonia for people in the church. That's the only way that church is going to get refreshed. And in the same way, I believe God is asking us to do the same. If you want to experience refreshment in our church, then you got to step up your koinonia for me, 
for each other. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the only way it happens. We cannot sit and wait around for other people to do that for us. We need to start doing it ourselves. Why? Because the way you live impacts and affects others. So let's send positive ripples that will encourage and bolster the lives of others within our church by loving God and loving others ourselves. Do you guys get that? Do you guys get this interconnectedness that Koinonia really is and the potential that could happen when each one of us give ourselves gives ourselves fully to Koinonia? Christ did that, didn't he? He really wanted the unity of the church to build each other so much that he gave his life for us. He continually forgives us no matter how much we sin. He, his love never changes for us. His koinonia commitment to us never fails, is always constant. That's how we are to be with one another. And that's what we always get refreshed. We always get refreshed in Christ. And even when we do like devotionals together in CG, we get refreshed together. Let's refresh each other in Christ through our love and care. We were joined for joy. So let's join to give each other joy in our church. Live for Christ, love and care for others, fight for unity, and let's refresh each other continually. Let's pray. You know, there's nobody within our church who is not in need, especially in week 11 of this lockdown. You know, everyone's in need. So can I encourage this? Don't listen to those voices that tempt your pride, that tempt your selfishness, you know, which, which causes division tomorrow. But listen to God. Grip onto each other more tightly, right? Care for others equally and become a source of joy to others. Let's pray. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then afterwards I'll give the benediction. Um, Father, we just come to you. And we know that, I know for every single person in this room, you know, we love church. 
We love coming to church. We love being a part of this community. And Father, there are so many aspects of church that are absolutely amazing. And we love and praise you for it. But there's some other parts, God, that we sometimes we get disappointed by. Father, we ask you that uh, to protect us from the evil one so that we won't give in to any temptations to cause disunity. But Father, that we'll always listen to your heart that's willing to sacrifice yourself and even your own son so that we can have life in you, life through each other, so that we can have unity in Christ. And Father, that's what we want our church to be. We want our church to be filled with brothers and sisters in Christ who love each other, who take responsibility for each other, who care for each other, simply because you joined us together. And so God, give us your supernatural capacity to love one more person, to truly care for people in the way Christ would. And Father, to truly make that uh, the way we relate to one another at FLM. But we need you to do that. So God, do that within us. And Father, even though we might be separated in lockdown, Lord, we know that we are connected in Christ. And so God, give us that confidence in you so that we might invest in each other. We thank you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me end with the benediction and then let's all stick around for fellowship. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face upon you and be generous to you. The Lord radiate his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen.